Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. We are shaking things up on this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast because what I'm about to bring you is something so innovative, so new that you are going to need to be dialed in, and I want to make sure that I have your attention. We are going to the Tournament of Champions in Greencastle, Indiana. This is no ordinary event. This is a premier event. We are going to lay it out for you. We're going to dissect every aspect of this next level competition coon hunt. We're going to talk to the youngest competitor. We're going to talk to a true legend who has been in this sport for over 50 years, and he has a dog at this hunt as well. We're going to talk to the master of hounds, and you're going to get an idea what his job is. We're going to talk to a judge that drove five hours to be involved in this event. UKC took this to the next level with high-quality live stream from the event with color commentators, and we're going to get a look at what their job was. Finally, you're going to hear from Alan Gingrich. He is going to share with you the development of this event, the goals of this event, and the vision that it took to develop it. Folks, you're going to want to hang on for this episode. Whether you have never attended a competition coon hunt, you've been to a ton of competition coon hunts, or you're a young aspiring houndsman hoping to achieve a high level of performance with your hounds, it's all here. You're going to get an in-depth, behind-the-scenes look at what a premier event actually looks like. The Old South Dog Box is rocking. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many, day, how many days a week can you spend that? As much as I can, to be honest with you. Anytime that I get, I'm, I'm out there. Join us for every heart-pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm going to hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. I want to take you with me 
to one of the most thought out, conscientious premier events that I have ever attended for competition coon hunting. In order for you to get a full visual in your mind to understand what this event was like, I want to spend a couple minutes and describe the event, my arrival at the event. When I pulled onto the grounds where the Tournament of Champions was to be held, and we'll just call it the TOC. It's commonly referred to as the TOC. It's already got its own acronym. The nickname for Tournament of Champions is the TOC. I want you to imagine that you're riding in my truck with me and we are arriving at the talk and I'm going to walk you through this whole thing. So we are pulling onto the grounds. It's a nice event. There are police officers out there that are actually directing traffic, which is a funny story because when Alan invited me to come over for the talk, he told me that I'll need to check in and get a media pass to which I jokingly replied, what, are you going to have security guards at a coon hunt? And he, I thought he was joking when he said, you bet, this is high-level stuff. And sure enough, there are police officers that are directing traffic into uh, the grounds there. And it was um, nothing that was any different than, than several other events that I've driven into. You know, when you pull on the grounds for Automokes, you know you're at a big event. When you pull into the PKC World Hunt and, and all the fanfares going on around you, you, you kind of get that feeling that, that you're not in Kansas anymore. So we are pulling onto the grounds of this event, and it looks fairly normal. Pickup trucks with shiny dog boxes in the back of the truck, backed into parking spaces. We see hunters standing around the uh, tailgates, talking you can feel some nervous energy in the air as these competitors are about to embark on this journey in hopes of winning fifty thousand dollars over a quarter of a million dollars will be given away this weekend so there are several thousands of reasons to be a little bit nervous if you are getting ready to enter your hound so we follow the direction of the off-duty police officers that are guiding us into our parking space. We check to make sure that our hat's on straight, and uh, we walk across the parking lot. We arrive at a long sidewalk that leads up to a beautiful building. This is a wood-sided building. It's a new building. It looks classy. Lining the edges of the sidewalk, we're going we're gonna to walk past UKC's signature logo for the Tournament of Champions. And as we pass that, we're going to walk between banners that are lining the sidewalk all the way up to the grand entrance to this beautiful building. So many of you will be able to relate to this comparison. When I was a young child, my parents took me to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And as we parked the car, and we walked across hot parking lots, and we stood in line to get through the gate. It, there was nothing special about that, maybe even kind of mundane. But once we got past the gate, the world came alive with color and style, and you could tell that you were in a special place. While the Tournament of Champions doesn't quite have the marketing budget uh, for decorations and things as Disney does, this had a similar feeling to it. 
You knew you were walking into something that was special. So as you walk in the door, you get your seating assignment for your table. Uh, everything is laid out. I mean, they didn't miss a beat on this thing. Find your seat. The opening ceremonies start. And one of the things that Alan Gingrich said during the opening ceremonies that stuck with me is, Welcome to the Tournament of Champions. You are our guests, and we honor your achievements. Alan is the Director of Hunting Operations for the United Kennel Club, and Alan is going to help us picture and envision what this building looks like, this classy place that this premier event is being held. Here's Alan Gingrich. And that's one thing we were really looking for, a venue. One of our ideas, or we were hoping to find a venue that would be relaxing and create a relaxing atmosphere. And we really wanted to kind of roll out the red carpet for these guys that make it here. And we found a place outside of Greencastle where we're at here called Three Fat Labs. And it has <laughs> really done that. You know, so it's only, you, you drive, it's a, about two miles out, two and a half miles outside of Greencastle. Uh, but you drive out a mile out of Greencastle, get off the little highway there, you actually get on a dirt road, and you have about a mile and a half along the river there. And I'm telling you, if you drive along that river, you get out of the hustle and bustle of Greencastle, get down this little dirt road, uh, it, it, the scenery is awesome, you know, this, this time of year. Driving back through there, you drive back through there a mile and a half till you get to this place. And then you see this beautiful place called Three Fat Labs. And you almost have to be here to really appreciate what it is. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a western-looking barn-type building. And as a, upstairs on, on each side, on the wings on the side, uh, just a beautiful place. Uh, balcony on the back, backside, and uh, it's just very, very, it is, it really creates a nice, relaxing atmosphere in exactly what we by now, we have a very good feeling about the setting for this event, the, the atmosphere surrounding it, the nervous energy in the building, the great food. We've got that all laid out. Now we're going behind the scenes. What does it take to put together a premier event like this? What are the working parts? We're going to hear from handlers and hear their stories about how they got to this point. And I'm going to start this off with introducing you to Mr. Ed Bates. Ed is... 78 years old. He has been a heavy hitter in competition coon hunting since the early 1970s. He has multiple hounds in the Hall of Fame. Most notably would be dogs like Bates Blue Cash and arguably one of the most influential English dogs of all times, Hard Time Spec. Ed is a world champion. He has been a fierce competitor and one at all levels of competition coon hunting his perspective of this event the tournament of champions is invaluable so i'm going to let ed describe to you what he sees here at the tournament of champions all right i'm with mr ed bates the legendary ed bates and uh we're at the tournament of champions ed thanks for thanks for agreeing to talk to me for just a minute no problem brother enjoy it yeah yeah, okay, so we're at the Tournament of Champions. What dog are you all hunting tonight? Uh, we're hunting a, a little Grand Knot Champion female called Limited Edition Dixie. And how, how's she bred? She goes back to spec, and uh, her father was uh, limited, limited Edition Lee, who was a full brother to uh, the guns, uh, 
top gun dog that Larry Wilcox won the world hunt with. So she's loaded up with good English blood. Good blood, real good. So as you look around here, um, give me your opinion on the quality of dog it takes to get to this level of competing at the Tournament of Champions. It's going to take a uh, top shelf dog. To be honest, uh, most of the better dogs in the United States are here tonight, and uh, the good top quality handlers are, are here too. I mean, they're ready to go. This is a, this is a good good opportunity right here for anyone. Uh, this should really be a springboard for UKC. I mean, we only had to win five uh, casts to qualify for the, the regional event and win two up there. We paid $150 entry fee, and we come over here, no entry fee, and I think they're going to give away about a quarter of a million dollars. That's a pretty good, pretty good uh, haul for, for a weekend's hunt. Absolutely is, and it's a lot of fun just getting, you know, getting together with the guys and and uh, reminiscing and talking about the new new crowd coming up. What are you going to do with all that money if you win it, Ed? Uh, I'll probably just give it to my wife. She's in charge of finances. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Bates is just one of those guys that you just enjoy being around. At seventy-eight years old, he's still got a great personality good sense of humor and he draws a crowd everywhere he goes as you could hear from the laughter in the background on the opposite end of this spectrum we are now going to talk to the youngest competitor at the top at 13 years old maddox is accomplishing and achieving some of his dreams i did not start coon hunting until i was 13 and then it was a few years before i got to attend or compete in an event of bigger proportions i think i was 19 or 20 when i competed in my first autumn oaks you are going to feel the energy that maddox has for this sport that he's grown to love so much you're going to hear that nervousness in his voice but a, a young competitor that is very focused and you can tell that he has put in a lot of hard work to get where he is at here is maddox arnett i'm with maddox Arnett. How old are you, Maddox? 13. So, Maddox, uh, you're, you're the youngest competitor here at the Tournament of Champions. How's that make you feel? It, it's, uh, it's crazy, really. It makes me feel because my dad, and he's helped me get, get here, then it's just a crazy feeling. Are you nervous? A lot. A yep. lot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You're a lot nervous, huh? Yep. Yep. So, yep. tell me about the dog you brought with you. Um, What's the dog's name? Arnett's whacked out little Libby. Call yep. her, her Libby. Uh, we raised her from a pup. From what, what breed of dog is she? Bushwhacker. She's Bushwhacker bred? Yeah. Then, so she's a tree and walker. Yep. And then uh, off of uh, Leela Miller's uh, out of your league Libby female. Okay. Then. Uh, How old is she? Right now uh, she's pretty, I think she's 28 months old. Oh, so she's a young dog. Yep. Yep. That's good. Tell yep. me, Tell me style of dog she is. She's uh, she's looking to get treed, and right after she gets treed with one, she's looking to get treed again. She don't waste no time after the first tree. So what kind of strike dog is she? She's not a high-end strike dog. She's usually 50 or 25. Yeah. But she's looking to get treed quick, and it's uh, hard to get because you got to make two kins. That guy's one for the first strike, and she'll usually get two kins treed. Mm -hmm. She's quick. Yeah. And then, but she, she goes good off the recut too. Yep. 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 
So tell me about uh, what it's like to, to compete and what you had what you had to do to get here. Um, we Dad has put me in a bunch of uh, uh, hunts around the house, and we've never really been in nothing big. The biggest one I've ever been in was a Legacy, and I uh, it was my first ever Legacy. It was a $100 Legacy, and we ended up winning that with the female I'm hunting tonight. And uh, it's uh, just a big accomplishment getting to a spot like this. And we've just uh, hunted hard, and I've learned my, uh, I've listened to my female and got to know her good, and she's got to know me. We've become friends. Yeah? You feel like you got a pretty good handle on yep. her? Yep. Huh? Yep. What, what do you think the chances are? What are you going to do if you win? Huh? We're going for a big dinner, me and the family. <laughs> yep. a big dinner. You're 13, right? Yep. Well... You might want to put some of that away for oh, maybe yeah. a truck it's here. Truck, yep. 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 We're planning on gonna buy me a Toyota. No kidding. Yep. What kind? Like a Platinum Tundra or what? A Tacoma. A Tacoma. Yep. That's a good hunting truck. Yep. Yeah. So, um, how many nights a week do you hunt? I hunt uh, maybe three or four, but we only hunt. I only hunt the ten because of school, and then Dad goes back out and goes to two. And then uh, he, he told me I'm, if I have a gr- anything under a C, I can't hunt. So I keep my grades up to an A. Yeah. So what, what's it going to mean to you if you win the Tournament of Champions? It's going gonna, it's gonna to mean a lot to me. And it's going to be a big, a huge accomplishment. And Dad's always told me he's never made it to a big hunt like this. They've only hunted at little hunts. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you had to win five casts to get here to get your little female qualified. Yep. Then you had to get through the zones. How'd she look in the zones? Uh, the first night she uh, we lost. Uh, she didn't. Uh, she done a good. Got by herself, but I just couldn't find them. She was on dens. And then uh, the Saturday night, um, it was a four dog cast, and we went out and we made the first woods, and she uh, was running a lot in there. She didn't do good, then ended up, I, if we went to the next woods, it was just two of us, and uh, we, uh, she treed three in there, and then that guy withdrew, and then we went to another woods, and she treed three again, and we ended up scoring 11.50 with her and got me in. 11.50 is a pretty good score on any night. Yep, it is. That's a good deal. Yep. Well, Maddox, good luck, and, uh. Hope you win it, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thank you for sitting down with me. I appreciate it. Yep. All right. Good luck, man. Thank you. Can you feel the nervousness? Can you feel the energy? Most of all, can you see the focus that this young competitor has got? And I've got to bring something up because I missed it when I recorded this segment, but there are actually rules in Maddox's house. He has to maintain Good grades in order to be able to coon hunt. And what did he say? NECs, and I don't get to hunt, so I keep my grades up to all A's. Now that is good parenting. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Arnett. I think you've got Maddox on the right track. With that kind of focus and discipline, I truly expect to see Maddox Arnett's name in the future among top handlers in competition coon hunting. While we are on the topic of top handlers, I caught up with John Strickland. John is a top competitor. There's no doubt about it. He always has top hounds. He's had Salt Creek Jenny. He's had Bad Habit. He has had 
He's got big country right now. And uh, he knows what it takes to win. He knows when he's in good company, when he's in stiff competition. This is what John had to say about the level of competition at the talk. Hey, how you doing, guys? Glad to be here. You bet, John. So what dog are you guys hunting tonight? I'm hunting a, a little female named Power Packing Paige. Uh, she's off the Pistol Pete dog, which is off of Power Packing Easy. Um, line of dogs we've hunted for years. And, yeah. and then the female, her mother's off of the Trackman mm-hmm. cross. So dogs, they're pretty much every coon hunter knows of. Yeah. What do you think it's going to take to win this hunt? It's going to take somebody who's got coons when you get treed and, and stay out of trouble. I yeah. mean, I, I've looked around. I don't see a whole lot of leaves on the trees. I think there'll be a lot of minus trees um, the next two nights. And uh, I think the dog that, that stays out of trouble and, and's got a Ricky when you get there, I think that's the dog that wins this hunt. Yeah. What do you think about the uh, overall quality of hounds? As you look around this room, you know, what do you think about the handlers and the hounds they're packing? You know, I was sitting looking. That's what I was doing. You walked up, look at that seating chart, and if you look there, I mean, there's a, yeah, there's probably the top 20 handlers in the country there right now. So, and, and naturally, if you got a good handler, most of the time you got a good dog. They they know what it takes to win, and uh, they're not packing some call. You know, they they they're ready. They've done the homework. Um, I mean, we're hunting for fifty thousand dollars. You know, right. so not small potatoes enough. No, it ain't small. Um, and what's amazing about this hunt, and UKC's done such a good job, is not only is it $50,000, you ain't got a big entry fee. We hunt for big prizes, but a lot of times, along with that big prize, is a big entry fee. Right. And, I mean, this hunt, what it costs, 150 bucks or right. somebody to get in, and it's yep. like we can win 50 grand or $150. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's, it's pretty, pretty good trade good. right there. Yeah. You handling tonight or somebody else? I am it? handling. Yep, I'm handling. I actually. Uh, you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, it's Corden. You know, <laughs> so, somebody at our table said earlier said, Strickland, you ever win these things? You do absolutely no good. And I'm like, well, maybe that says something about my personality. I'm all in or all out. But, but yeah, I'll be handling. Oh, good deal. Good luck to you tonight, John. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Thank you, and thanks to UKC. As I said, John Strickland has competed at the highest levels with some of the greatest dogs in competition, coon dog history. And as I approached him, he was standing there studying that chart. He was looking at who his competition was. He was taking nothing for granted. He was mentally prepping because he recognizes the magnitude of this event. When we come back from this short break from our sponsors, we are going to talk about all of the things that it takes to coordinate an event like this. We are going to hear from the folks who are often overlooked, but oh, they are so crucial to the registry hosting this event, but also they are crucial to the success for the hunters. Stay tuned, folks. We will be right back. I just want to take a minute and brag on our title sponsor. Joy Dog Food has been fueling champions since 1945. Did you know that three of the top six final competitors at the Tournament of Champions are fueled by Joy? Joy Dog Food is formulated using 100% American-made products. It is made in America. It is tailor-made for this crowd of patriotic coon hunters and can proudly say made in the USA. They're supporting youth programs in PKC. They just picked up sponsorship with Pro Sport. And they are investing in the lifestyle that we all cherish so much. 
I started feeding Joy dog food again. I fed it back in the olden days, but I picked it up and started feeding it again a year ago. And the reason I started feeding it is because I recognize that they support me, the hunter. So in return, I support a company that supports me. And you should too. You can find a dealer near you on their website at joypetfoods.com. Pick up a bag today and your hounds will be fueled by joy. So we've heard from some of the competitors that are getting ready to hit the woods. It's important to understand the format for this hunt and how they got to this point. The concept and the format for the Tournament of Champions is so strategically done. It is well thought out. Included in this plan was a strategy to be more inclusive, inclusive for the clubs so they can draw bigger crowds and the hunters that are involved. Here's Alan Gingrich to lay that out. Yeah, well, what it's doing for the sport of coon hunting, I think it's important for folks to know the whole idea to begin with was try to boost entries at the local club levels. And so the first thing we looked at is the target or the groups that we're wanting to target that might help that entry. And obviously Grand Knights was one of those dogs that are already finished out in UKC. They don't really have any good reason to go to a club hunt, you know, a local club, unless it's like a sectional or an RQE, a qualifying event of sorts. So that's one group, you know, that was a target group we'd like to get to, you know, in. And another one is, uh, uh, simply put, guys that want to hunt for uh, money. And in this case, lots of money. We thought if we made the purse big enough, we could probably help draw them in. And draw them in they did. UKC saw a big increase in the number of entries at local events. In order to get to this level, you have to achieve certain things at the local hunt level. Here's Alan again to connect those dots for us. The uh, tournament requires, to qualify, requires five cast wins in a calendar year to qualify for the following year's tournament. So that's... Yeah, and then after they get the five cast wins, kind of break that down for us, where it goes from there. Uh, from there, we have five different regions around the country where they can enter, much like our World Championship zones in the, in the fall. You pick the zone that you or the region that you want to enter in, and then it's prorated. We take uh, this, in the case of this year, we took 96 dogs out of those regions to go to move on to the finals. Uh, last year, in 2021, was our first Tournament of Champions finals and the purse was $200,000. We had only took 64 uh, dogs that advanced out of those regions to the finals. Uh, we came very close to having dogs that had two cast wins over two nights at the regionals, uh, and our entry numbers kept going up, and we knew they would go up the mm -hmm. second year, and we did, we, the reason we upped it to 96 advancing is to make sure we get all double cast winners get to advance here. So not only did we up the up it to 96, and uh, not to water it down anymore or anything like that, but we also upped the purse to $250,000. Did you hear that? 96 dogs, all competing for a part of $250,000, quarter of a million dollars on the table, riding on the outcome of this event. 96 dogs. Here's Alan to break down the payout on that $250,000.
all 96 are going to divvy up that $250,000. Everybody right now is in the money. And the way it breaks down is the, the, uh, the first group of non-winners, after the first round, we have the first group of non-winners. They're each going to get $1,000 out of that two hundred and fifty. Wow. And then the cast winners move on to the next round. Those winners are those non-winners are going to get uh, $3,500, okay? Yeah. Those cast winners advance. Those will be six dogs to advance. Two that that'll be the semifinals mm -hmm. then. Six dogs will hunt Saturday in the early round, heads up in three casts. Those non-winners will receive $5,000, three wow. non-winners. And then that leaves three dogs left over in the finals. Uh, third place, we will pay 20,000. Second place, runner-up gets 30,000. And the overall winner receives 50,000. So there's 100,000 of it is divvied out to the, uh, to the uh, uh, final three. Folks, that's some walking around money right there. Grandpa would have called that folding money for your pocket. Even if you lose in the first round, you've got enough money to buy enough gift cards to eat at Cracker Barrel every Sunday for a year. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of fanfare, a lot of money numbers being thrown around on all this stuff, but let's look at what it really takes to put on an event like this. And we're going to start with probably the most thankless job in competition coon hunting. In this particular hunt, the Tournament of Champions, at this point in the game, we are going to non-hunting judges. For you old hands in the competition coon hunting world, you know exactly what that means. For those of you that are not familiar with competition coon hunting, that means that each one of these casts, 24 of them, 96 dogs are going to be broken up into 24 casts, and they are going to go out to the woods to compete each one of those casts is going to need a judge. When this much is riding on the line for the right calls to be made, it is imperative that you have high quality judges that are capable of making the right calls in a fair and judicious manner. Judges have to possess many skills, and some of those skills would include a thorough knowledge of the rules, the ability to make good decisions and quick decisions. A good judge has to display confidence and courage. They have to possess superior communication skills. When they're making calls, they need to be able to explain what those calls are at times. They have to be mediators. At times, tempers flare and they've got to be able to calm that situation down. Being a judge at an event that has so much riding on the line takes a very special person with very special skills it is stressful and at times it is chaotic as you are going to hear in this next interview with savannah brooks we were actually running across the parking lot trying to get to the draw out so that she could pick up her cast so i just had a brief moment to talk to savannah brooks here's what savannah has to say about being a judge all right, I'm with one of the judges for the Tournament of Champions, Savannah Brooks. How are you, Savannah? Good, you? I'm good. So how far away did you come? We're walking and talking, so we're going to be panting trying to make the... But how far away did you come from? Uh, about six hours, southern Ohio. What made you want to judge the Tournament of Champions? Well, I like to see winners win, so there's that. Well, you usually pack on winner. You didn't get qualified, or what happened there? 
Uh, I actually bred, I had a Lizzie qualified and I had her bred, I had to pull her off, I would have to have pulled her off pups two weeks early and get her back in shape, so. I knew there was something yeah. there. I knew there was something because you're a fierce competitor. Well, uh, what do you think it's going to take to win this hunt? Well, Greencastle, you're, either coons are going to be moving or not. So hopefully we can get into coons. It's going to take a coon trader to win it. I hear you. Leaves are off. And uh, what are you going to be looking for as a judge tonight? Uh, just honest, good dog work and calling their dogs. How important is sportsmanship for, to uh, help, out a, help out your judging? Oh, it's going to be huge. And right at that moment, they were calling Savannah's cast to the judges' stand. So I had to call in some backup. Doug Cundiff is a master of hounds, and he's going to talk about the qualifications for a judge and the importance of that. How do you select judges for this event? Usually like this hunt right here and the world hunt, we usually see who gets knocked out at the zones or the regionals, however, whatever they want to do. We usually go back through and try to pick a good qualified judge that knows the rules, been in it for years. A good experienced judge is how we try to base it on these, the Tournament of Champions and the World Hunt. Okay, so are there any set guidelines or guiding principles behind like character and, and the way a, a, a person may be... Um, a good sportsman in the woods does that affect your decision on how you select a judge yeah it makes a big we we want to pick judges that's going to treat people how you want to be treated go out there and treat them with sportsmanship treat them like they're a human being that's what we best want we don't want somebody going out there and think hey i'm i'm the man this is what it's going to be we want to pick somebody that's going to treat everybody like a human being and a good sportsman that's yeah. what we look at Doug goes on to talk about the duties of a Master of Hounds in this next segment. He's also going to talk about how much a Master of Hounds depends on a good judge in the woods. And it also demonstrates the level of pressure that's on judge and Master of Hounds and the decision makers. There's some good takeaways in this. Master of Hounds is a very important part of keeping things running above board and legit. So how long you been a master of hounds? For about 15 years. But you've been, you're also a field rep for UKC. Yeah, yeah well, I've been with them for 15 years also. That's how I first started being a master of hounds. Okay. I want to talk about what a master of hounds job is, because like I told you before we started recording, we've got people that, from all over the world that listen to this, and they, they want to know all the working parts. So what is a master of hounds job? Our job is basically concerns if they got a question out in the woods say the hunter's got a question about scoring a tree or something like that a rule violation they can't settle it in the woods they bring it back to us and we make the final decision and then basically that's how it works i mean we make usually make the final decision for a cast to move on yeah so the the question comes up like we'll kind of break this down a little bit more so you're out there in a cast, and there's a, there's a call made in the woods, and as a handler, I may not agree with that call. So from there, break down the process that it has to go through before it comes back to you as a master of hounds. Okay, now if you got a hunting judge, 
they need to they need to question if they don't like a decision made by the hunting judge they need to question it right then at that moment don't wait five ten minutes later they need to question it right then and then the cast will vote on it and every cast member must vote what they feel like mm-hmm. now if it ends up being a three to one vote against the guy that had the question he can still question it and bring it back to the master hounds but usually if it's a three one vote it's going to be stand as is out in the woods now he can still question it bring it back to us but the odds are something like that, it's got to be a real good rule violation for us to overchange it. If it's not clear rule violation, we're going to stick to that 3-1 boat. Now, if it's a, I mean, a non-hunting judge in the cast. Which, which tournament of champions is all non-hunting judges. That in the world hunt. If it's a non-hunting judge, we usually, the judge will make the decision. Handler don't agree with it. He can still question it, bring it back to us. But usually, unless it's like, again, another serious rule violation that we can overturn, we will overturn it. But most of the time, we're going with the judge's decision because we're not out there. Those are two very crucial aspects of a UKC Coonhound event that get overlooked so often, but are so important. As a competitor in a big event, Everyone wants a good judge and a good master of hounds. Highly qualified people that are going to make good decisions, be objective, hear all sides of the story. I've been on the bad end of that in the past, and I've also been the beneficiary when you've got a great judge and a great master of hounds. We've got to take a break for our next sponsor, and as soon as we come back, we're going to bring this all home. We're going to look at some of the special details that really put some polish on this event to make it an outstanding premier event and how UKC is setting a new standard for competition coon hunting. Hang on, folks. We'll be right back. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog tree dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top-of-the-industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. There are great events being held all around the country, several times a year, and they are being held by several different registries. The United Kennel Club, however, has taken a little extra effort here and done some things that set the Tournament of Champions apart from any other event that they certainly do and something that other registries are going to need to take notice of if they plan to keep pace with this premier event. Here's Alan Gingrich again to talk about what sets the Tournament of Champions apart. I think so too. We have a lot of people that work hard. I know Trevor and I get a lot of the uh, 
of the glory for it and, and everything else. But we have a lot of people behind the scenes that uh, play a huge part in it. And, uh, yeah, it's to make it to what it is. And, and not just that, but uh, you can tell the hunters really appreciate it. And that's very satisfying and gratifying. And, and we've got a lot, of, a lot of cool things coming. You know, last year we started with this TOC, did the stream or the, uh, the uh, uh, live streaming. Right. And um, and that went pretty well. You know, we learned a lot from it. And I think this year we've got a great team of color analysts uh, live streaming on Friday and Saturday nights. And those will live on YouTube. And folks can always go check that out at any time. So we're looking forward to it. So I had the opportunity to sit down with this production team during the meal before uh, the, the hunt kicked off. UKC went out and found a premiered company that hosts major sporting events around the country to produce this show for them. We're talking high quality video, high quality sound, high quality production. It was, it was a live feed right out there where you could have tuned in the night of the event and watched it live. This was like uh, watching the sports desk from ESPN. It had that kind of feel to it. The commentators were doing their homework as we were sitting down to dinner. They were discussing their strategies. They did personal profiles of each handler, each dog, all through the evening. It was really a classy deal. UKC took a lot of care to pick people that really understand and know the sport of competition coon hunting. Someone who can communicate someone who can bring energy, someone who is willing to do their homework, but also has that strong background of knowledge of, of what it takes to compete at this level. And one of those people was Steve Burkholder. And I caught up with Steve while he was wrapping up, preparing. He had papers spread everywhere. He's trying to get ready for uh, uh, the, the live feed. He had a notebook with tons of notes in it, page after page of handwritten notes and things that he needed to remember. There was a lot of work that went into this and it really came through and it showed through in the quality of this production. Here are some comments from Steve Burkholder as we talked about his function and um, the Tournament of Champions and, and his impression of the quality of the event. I've done quite a bit of uh, research on the dogs that are hunting here. I've hunted with quite a few of them, hunted with quite a few of the handlers. And, uh, you know, the dogs here combined, I would say that this is probably the best top 96 field that I've been a part of in, in, in my lifetime. Uh, these dogs have won over a million dollars in lifetime earnings combined. And uh, there's not going to be an easy out tonight. You know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, regions they come out of, very competitive regions. A lot of good dogs didn't make it through. But uh, it's, uh, I don't believe anybody is going to be able to have a cakewalk tonight. And, you know, a lot of good handlers uh, and a lot of good hunters. And, uh, you know, what's really awesome about the event is, uh, you know, doing a lot of interviews with these guys. This is a big deal for a lot of people coming here. You know, the venue is amazing. You know, we have a, a, as young as a 13-year-old handler that's handling a dog to his as old as their late 50s hunting this hunt so you know anybody can hunt this hunt that was really what this hunt was uh what we wanted to try to design is that if you're just an average hunter want to hit one one big hunt a year that you could afford to come to this hunt but also make it attractive to where somebody that you know i guess you could say that hunts the pro circuit that they would be attracted and want to come to hunt in this hunt as well and i really think second year into it has really done an amazing job with that and you know the staff that's putting this on it's really amazing i've come to this venue last year as a hunter 
and got in the top 15. And, uh, you know, I, I said if there's any hunt that I, if I would have only be able to hunt one big hunt a year, this would be it. And we're hearing that a lot this weekend. I went on to ask Steve about his background and his experience in, well, let's call it what it is, sports broadcasting. And Steve has just got one of those personalities. He's very outgoing. He's very energetic. It's really in his wheelhouse. But here's what Steve had to say. I did it at Autumn Oaks and uh, the top 16 grands. I really enjoyed that part of it, you know, asking the hunters about, uh, you know, just themselves and their dogs. And I uh, was going to do it at the World and obviously had some health issues come up and couldn't. And I uh, was really excited when they reached out to me and given me the opportunity to come here at the TOC. It's something that I enjoy, you know. Uh, as you get older, you realize that this... Uh, uh, it's a whole lot more about just turning a dog loose. It's a commodity and, and just a lot of that that comes with it. So, If you want to see what kind of job Steve and the team did, the quality of the production, the effort that was put into it, you can go to UKC's YouTube channel and dial it up. Just look up the Tournament of Champions for this year and get a really good feel for what was really going on there and the quality of production that they were putting together. Hey, before we get out of here, we're going to talk, we're going to wrap it all up. I'm going to put it all in a nice, neat package, put a bow on top of it. One thing that we've got to talk about before we get out of here is competition coon hunting and some of the stigma that goes around it. And for people that have never done it and are only basing their opinions on what they see on social media, you may have the wrong idea about this sport. We've looked at examples of a 13-year-old that is coming to this, somebody who has parents who obviously have high standards for their family and the way they raise their children, they're bringing their kids to this. And then you look at someone, we talked to Ed Bates, who's been doing this for over 50 years. There is a certain appeal. You've got something we love in, in coon hunting and our hounds, and we are satisfying that competitive nature of human beings by going to these events and competing at very high levels. To kind of describe what the function of a handler is, I'm going to bring back Doug Cundiff. And he's going to talk about what a handler's job is in a competition hunt and how it may be construed as cheating when in fact it's just a handler who is very well prepared that understands the rules he's got a job to be able to use every advantage he can within the rules to win this cast here's Doug Cundiff a lot of these guys that are good handlers they know their dog they know that dog inside and out. They know what he's doing and what he's not going to do. And that's what makes them a good handler. They, they just know that dog. They're friends with that dog, basically. They're buddies. They also know the rules and yep. wh where, they can, where they can gain a little ground and where they can give up ground. I mean, there is a strategy to being a handler. Oh, yeah. The, uh, to be a good handler, you also need to know them rules very well. I mean... There could be times where guys can use these rules to their advantage, but that's part of needing to know these rules, what can work for a guy. And I'm not saying they're cheating or anything like that. They just know the rules very well, and that makes this sport and this competition hunting very important for these guys to know the rules. Well, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. You know, if you're going to perform at the top level, whether you're going to be a, an NFL coach 
or a, you know, a, a, a top handler in this sport, you've got to know the rules and you've got to know how to use those rules to your advantage at every break. Nobody else is going to give you breaks out there, so you've got to know those rules and use them to your advantage every chance you get. Exactly right. I circle back to that issue about handlers because hopefully by now you have seen the opportunity here for you and your hound to compete. And the effort that a registry like UKC is willing to go to to make you feel welcome, to make you feel like a guest, to make you feel special, to really elevate this thing that we do with our hounds to a whole new level. UKC has given us a format that is got a lot of easy access. It's very affordable. And it's very important that if you have the vision of being able to compete at the tournament of champions or at any level in any hunt that you that you have that complete understanding that you as a handler have a job to do your hound cannot win alone and you can't win without your hound your job as a handler is to be prepared have your hound prepared know the rules and go there to compete if you go with that attitude you are going to be successful as we wrap this up, I want to go back to Steve Burkholder for one more comment. He and I have had a long-standing relationship, and we talk about all kinds of things. And one of the things that we talked about while we were recording this at the talk is about the general attitude about hunting, and particularly coon hunting. All too often, I see on social media that coon hunting is a dying sport. And while there is no denying that there are actually fewer people percentage-wise in our population that understand hunting, that understand uh, hounds and especially coon hunting, there are fewer of us doing it. However, while we face many challenges on access and permission to ground and sharing the woods with other user groups and things like that, we also live in one of the greatest times for opportunity to access a great sport, a great pastime, celebrate who we are and what we do. And it is also a great time to demonstrate how important competition coon hunting is to our population as a whole. When you talk about revenue for the area of Greencastle, Indiana this weekend, we're talking about 96 people that needed 96 hotel rooms, that ate meals, that bought gas. The fiscal impact is huge. The opportunity that these registries are creating for, for young people like Maddox to, to have an opportunity to be engaged in a lifestyle that is wholesome, that is good, it teaches him things. He understands that he has to do a certain amount of work to get the reward of being able to participate from his family. Those are good baselines for us to build on. Nobody can argue with that. To wrap this up, I'm going to let Steve Burkholder take it away. I asked him a simple question. Do we live in the golden age of coon hunting? Here's what Steve had to say. I do. You know, I think that we hear, you know, when I grew up as a kid, you'd hear about the good old days. And I really believe now uh, it, what we have, there, there's so many different hunts that you can hunt in, but what's different now is anybody can compete in a, a lot of these big hunts. You know, if you have a, it's kind of like a chip in a chair or a, a prayer. You got an, you got an opportunity to come win $50,000 for first place for an entry fee of $150. And, you know, that's, uh, 
you know, that's really pretty incredible and, uh, and a lot of good dogs, a lot of good people, so absolutely. That will do it for this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, the Friday edition. Man, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really enjoyed going over to the Tournament of Champions this weekend and just dissecting the whole event. It's a great event that deserves a lot of recognition for what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish for us as Houndsmen. If you enjoyed this show, make sure that you share it with your friends. Go to the iTunes store, give us a rating, and give us a comment and a review. You can also support this podcast over on Patreon. You can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com. Click on the Patreon button, and you can be eligible for monthly drawings, semi-annual drawings, drawings from people like Cajun Lights and Rough Cut Company, Um, you know, We've got all kinds of cool prizes coming up. We've got a a big giveaway coming up with Old South Dog Box that you need to be signed up for. Patreon is a place to be. Seth works hard over there and brings you all kinds of content with tailgate talks and just a lot of cool stuff there on Patreon. Follow us on Facebook at Houndsman XP Podcast Group or on Instagram at Houndsman underscore XP underscore podcast. But most importantly... Go follow us on Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform that is tailor-made for hunters. You can go in there and post your trophies. You can post pictures of your dogs. You can share with other like-minded people and not be censored while you're doing it. So go to www.timetogowild.com. Go ahead and sign up for uh, an account there. It's a cool platform, folks. I'm telling you, every time you post, you earn points. When you invite friends and they sign up, you earn points. And you can use those points on their shopping app. And we've got some big news coming very shortly on that shopping app. The team at Go Wild cares about you and your hounds. And I'm going to give you a real quick story and an example of that. So as you go in there, you can post trophies you can post a picture of a deer a picture of a turkey we were doing it with bears and lions and raccoons and things like that but they did not have a segment in there to identify us as houndsmen so i simply sent a message over to the team communicated with them we've got all of the tree game all the game that we pursue with our hounds is in there and there's an option for tree and free and an option for hounds so check out go wild at www.time to go wild and until next time you follow your hounds and i'll follow mine